Come on, you glad you made it to church today? Well, I'm glad you made it to church today too. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I, if you don't know me, my name is Davey. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I look after the youth ministry, so 6th through 12th grade. And so if, you're a, if you have a teenager and they come home after a Wednesday night talking about some bearded guy, uh, that's me. And uh, it's great to meet you if I haven't met you. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to give some honor to where uh, honor is due. And that is to our lead pastor, Pastor Rob Ketterling, our executive pastors, Chris and Darren, our elders. Come on, can you show some love and appreciation? We honor you. We thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to, to allow some young guns to come up here and, uh, and preach the word. Um, on this platform, and we don't take it lightly, so thank you so much. And one more person, because I know a lot of you are like, does he really have anything going for him? Not much, but I do have an amazing wife, okay? And uh, wife of almost seven years, and mother of almost two children. <laughs> any moment now, could happen anytime. And my wife, Nicole, and uh, she's amazing. Love you. Um, but are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to jump into God's word? How many of you were at the picnic? Anybody at the picnic? The campus picnic? Man, over 40 people were, were baptized. Is that not amazing? Lives are being changed. So there's some amazing things happening in this church, and it's just fun to be a part of it. Amen? Um, we're going to jump in. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. Book of Acts, chapter 10. And I want you to know this, that if you're new here to an experience like this, and and you're not so sure about everything, I want you to know that you don't have to believe everything that we believe or behave the way that you think people behave to belong here, but you belong here uh, no matter what you believe. Uh, we're just glad that you're here, and uh, we're going to open up God's Word, and we believe that this is not just some ancient book, but that it is actually God's words, and that when we open it, every single time we open it, if our ears are ready to hear, God's going to speak to us. These are His words. So we're going to open up God's Word to Acts chapter 10. I'm going to be reading from the message. This is a paraphrase. It's not a, a translation. Um, and if you don't like that, I need you to know that uh, the most spiritual version of the Bible. Do you guys know what the most spiritual version is? Whichever one you read the most. Well. Okay. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. It says this. should be on the screen as well. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. Come on, the door is open. Hey, in this morning, this is not a monologue. This is more of a dialogue, okay? So if you are enjoying things, if you like something that you hear, you can say amen. You can say, okay, uh, I'm going to ask that you don't run the aisles or wave any hankies because I'm easily distracted. Um, but I give you the permission to engage with what's happening. Does that, does that sound good? All right, so the message, the title is this. The door is open. If you're taking notes, write that down. The door is open. I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to jump in to this message. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time, for this opportunity uh, to open up your word and hear from you. And God, that's what we're believing. We're not going to hear from a preacher or a pastor God, we're hearing from heaven today. So open up our ears to hear from you, our eyes to see you, our hearts to respond. And God, I, I believe that you're gonna speak to us today. So have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you love staying in hotels? You love staying in a nice hotel? Okay, wait, 
Let me, let me give like a, a little reference point here. Without your kids. There we go. That's, that's what I was looking for. We used to love staying at hotels and then we have a two and a half year old and now it's like, this is the worst idea we've ever had. This is great. Trying to put her down in the closet. It's awesome. But I love staying at hotels. I like staying in, in nice hotels, especially when our daughter's not there. And I love my daughter. Don't get me wrong, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I love staying in nice hotels. It's like, I feel like I'm the most famous person in the world when I go to a nice hotel. You know what I'm saying? And um, especially like when you, when you go into the, the room and it's a nice hotel and they have a robe. Are you kidding me? A robe? You walk in, if they've got a robe and a balcony, like I put that robe on, I'm like, is this a poly cotton blend? <laughs> am I a king? Is this what's happening right now? Am I, am I the wealthiest man on, on earth right now? I, I love staying in hotels, but there are a few things, there are a few things about hotels that can be kind of frustrating. Uh, the first of which is the peasant, I mean, the other people that are, that are at the hotel swimming in my pool, um, that bothers me. Uh, over the, the years that I've been in ministry, almost 10 years in youth ministry, seven of those years have been here. Uh, I've, we've gone on a lot of trips um, with, with teenagers. And on those trips, we stay in hotels. And uh, you thought staying in a hotel with your kid was bad? What about me staying in a hotel with your kid? Try that one on for size. No, it's great. They're, they're precious. Um, but we stay in a lot of hotels. And uh, there was this one time at one of our events, we were staying in a hotel and uh, there, was some, there were some guys uh, that were not a part of our group, some, some adult guys that were, uh, you know, they were saying some things that were not appropriate for the students that were with me. And so I had some, some, some boys that were with me, we were about to go up and I was gonna get them into their rooms and get them situated. And these men were saying some things that I did not feel were appropriate to say around uh, your children. And uh, so I said, hey guys, come on. I hit the, the elevator button, I was gonna walk in. I said, hey guys, come on. Let's not say that kind of stuff around these kids. Elevator door opens. We walk in. The guys are still standing out there. The guy looks at me as I get into the elevator and says, don't you ever tell me what to do. If I see you ever again, I'm going to kick your bottom. Um, you get what I'm saying. And I'm the type of person that I'm usually very quick with my words. And uh, that tends to get me into some trouble, at least when I was growing up. Um, and I try to really control that. But when you get me fired up, uh, like there's no telling what's gonna happen. And this dude said that to me in front of these students and I was, I was 50 shades of fired up right now, okay? <laughs> and uh, so he said, if I ever see you again, I'm gonna, you know. And I said, as the door is closing, I said, you wish, man. <laughs> door closes. High five all the boys, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's right. Nobody says that kind of stuff. And uh, so we get up to our floor. We're on the fourth floor. And this is, this is a true story. Fourth floor. I'm getting them into the rooms. All right, there's your room. Good, good thing. Good thing. Great to go. Awesome. Awesome. And I start doing the, the thing where you get everybody situated. And then there's that moment. And this is the second thing that I do not appreciate about hotels is when they don't write your room number down on the little envelope that your key comes in. How am I supposed to remember what room I'm in? There's a thousand rooms. There's a million rooms in this hotel. Like in this hallway, there's a million. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know what room I'm in. So I, I knew it was like 419 or 418. So it was like, it was one of these rooms, like across the hall. So 
I'm, I, start, I start walking towards that direction. And as, as I'm walking, I begin to hear voices, male voices, adult male voices that I am pretty certain I had heard before because they were using words that I know I had heard them use in a previous encounter, okay? And so I'm like, oh boy. So I, I, I turn the corner, I'm like, that's them. That's the guys. It's like a, a group of guys. Now I'm a tough guy, a fight or flight. Like in my past, maybe I would have fought, but I'm trying to be Christ-like, you know? And more importantly, there's like six of them. <laughs> and so I quickly turn the corner and I'm panicking, you know? Like I'm, I'm like, I'm about to die, Okay. And so I start panicking. I'm like, I don't know what room I'm in. I'm so scared right now. So like any grown man should, I start panicking and knocking on every door for somebody to come and let me in the room. Because I knew that most of this floor, this hallway was our students and leaders. So I start knocking. I'm like, hello? <laughs> hey, let me in. All right, let's try this side. Try this side. So I go to the two rooms that I think are mine. I start knocking on both of these rooms like an absolute lunatic. I'm bouncing back and forth. Finally, the door opens as they're rounding the corner and I slide into this room like I'm dancing, put my hands up against the wall. The door closes. I close my eyes and I calm down a little bit because I'm safe. One of my leaders had let me in. It's all good. I'm gonna make it until I open up my eyes and what I see is not one of my leaders, but a walker with tennis balls on it. And I look to my right, and there is quite possibly the oldest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. And we just stared at each other for about a minute. Just one of these, like. Just stared at each other. Until I finally knew that the guys had passed, I heard their door open, and I, I walked out. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world are you talking about? What does this have to do with anything? Well, here's why I bring that up, because I'm so thankful that our God, when it's time for us to enter into hope and salvation and eternity, we don't need to bounce back and forth, knocking on different doors, trying to figure out, pleading and begging to get let in. But today, the door is open, and that's... That's what Peter is talking about in, in Acts chapter 10. Let me give you some context to what's happening in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we see Peter, and he begins to declare that the door is open to all people. doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, but that the door is open. Now, this is a new thing for Peter. Okay, this is a new thing. If we back up 2,000 years approximately from when Peter said this, you would encounter God and Abraham. And in that encounter with God and Abraham, God was choosing Abraham as the man through which he was going to establish and bless his chosen people. And as he established and blessed his chosen people, he also gave them laws or commands for them to live by. Approximately 613 commands for them to live by. You see them in the first five books of the Old Testament. And he establishes these laws. Some of these laws are for their very own safety, and their well-being. Some of these laws are to show them that they are separate and different from the rest of the world to show the moral absolutes, the character of who God is. And so they've been living 
their ancestors, Peter's ancestors, have been living this way for 2,000 years, that only certain people are allowed in. And if you are going to be allowed in, there's 613 different things that you need to abide by. So you can understand why this is such a big deal for Peter to be declaring this. That means that there's a huge page turn that took place, right? And, and one of these things, one of these groups of commands was that they were not allowed to eat certain types of meat. That would be a problem for me, okay? But they weren't allowed to eat certain types of meat. And so you fast forward for those 2,000 years to where Peter is in Acts chapter 10, just before the passage that we read, Peter is taking a nap. Peter lays down, he's taking a nap, and it says this in Acts chapter 10, verse, uh, starting in verse 11, it says, he saw the sky open up. He's having a dream, he's having a vision. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill, and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. That's not a good thing to say, to God. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. So you can understand why Peter is so confused when he has this vision and he feels like the Lord is speaking to him. Three different times he has this. This is all he and his ancestors have, have known for 2,000 years. This is all they've known. This is such a huge page turn for their culture and for people to encounter God. They've been obeying 613 commands. I can barely obey the speed limit, okay? And they've had to abide by these things. And suddenly there's a page turn and the door is now open. What I believe that Jesus is saying in this moment is that no man can shut the door that God opens. No man can shut the door that God opens. That, that those that were on the outside are now on the inside. You didn't open the door, so you can't close the door. The door was opened because of the gospel. What was unclean is now clean. Those on the outside are now on the inside. The worst of the worst can now become the best of the best. Just look at Paul. He used to go and kill Christians, people that were following Jesus. And there's this page turn that takes place and now he has an encounter and he's able to write over half the New Testament and be one of the greatest missionaries and church planters that this world has ever seen. Look at Peter. He denied even knowing who Jesus was and he's the one having this very vision. Look at you and look at me. We were on the outside. But because God is so good, he opened up the door for us. The door is open today. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, a beautiful picture of the gospel. It says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the best deal ever. The best deal ever. This is better than the Miracle Blade 3. Oh, you don't watch TV at 2.30 in the morning. We've all seen this commercial, okay? The Miracle Blade 3, you know, it's, it's the best deal ever, sharpest knife you'll ever experience. And, uh, and if you buy this knife, you'll get the knife, you'll get a sharpener, you'll get uh, a cookbook, all for $19.99. It's a great deal. 
But if you call within the next five minutes, you'll get 17 knives, eight sharpeners, a case, the cookbook, and a pineapple to throw in the air and cut in half to test that your knife is still sharp, right? This is what the gospel is. It's, it's the most amazing. But wait, there's, I'm just kidding. No, listen, this is, this is what the gospel is. Because of your sin, because of my sin, we deserve death and an eternity separated from God in hell. But because of Jesus and our decision to follow him, we get to spend eternity with him in heaven and live an abundant life here on this earth. <laughs> and the best part about it is it's free. It's free for us, but it costs Jesus everything. This is the gospel. This is what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what Peter is talking about when he says God plays no favorites, that the door is wide open. That means red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. The door is open. If you are gay or straight or somewhere in between, the door is open. And if you are one of the people that maybe cringed at the fact that I just said that, the door is open to you as well. The door is open. Come on, church, the gospel is bigger than our personal opinion. The gospel is bigger than our personal opinion. Can we wrap our head around all of that? No, we can't. But what we can do is realize, believe, and declare that the door is open. God plays no favorites. The door is open. What that means for you is that you can't disqualify yourself anymore. We are our own worst enemies, right? Especially in the Midwest. We have this thing where like when you give a gift, you make sure that the person you're giving the gift to knows that you have the receipt because they're probably not going to like it. <sighs> You're probably going to want to take it back. <laughs> this is what we do. We are self-deprecating human beings up here in the Midwest. We are our own worst enemies. We focus on our failures and our faults and the things that we, we are not good at. We are filled with shame and guilt and condemnation. But know this, that the condemnation, the shame and the guilt that you feel is not from God. But it is actually from the enemy. There's a great difference between conviction and condemnation. I want, I want us to understand this, that condemnation comes from Satan and is meant to tear you down. Condemnation continually points out what a failure you are and how badly you've messed up. If you feel those things and have been sensing those things in your life, that's not God speaking to you. That's the enemy. And we need to drown that voice out, take those thoughts captive and rely on the conviction because condemnation shows you the problem, but conviction shows you the answer and his name is Jesus. <laughs> conviction, it picks you up. It picks you up right where you are in the mess that you're in and shows you Jesus. The Bible says this in Romans chapter eight, verse one, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how do we live a life of no condemnation? How can we say the things that I just said about certain types of people and the door still being open to them? Well, the way that we do that is, is when you open up the door and you walk through the door, that means that this book becomes your guide to this thing called life. That this is not just a book, but 
It's God's word speaking and correcting and showing you what steps to take and what doors to walk through and, and how to live this life. You know, when you read this book, when you do your soap, your scripture, observation, application, and prayer, maybe don't read the Bible just to get through it, but read the Bible so it can get through you. You know, I had, I had a, uh, there was a, a pastor one time that said, don't read the Bible with a rake. Read the Bible with a shovel. Dig into it a little bit. We, we, we have this thing in, in, in the world today, especially in America, where we are fairly biblically illiterate. And we see this, especially in the next generation, that, that, that stories that we grew up just kind of knowing was common knowledge, is, uh, that's things that they've never heard before. That we need to get into God's word, that there is no substitute. There's no shortcut. There is no one minute, 30 second devotional time. Get into God's word. And it's so imperative that we do this because when you open up God's word, you see Jesus for who he truly is. And when you see Jesus for who he truly is, you will see yourself for who you truly are. Not the person that somebody else told you that you were, not the person that you feel like you are, but the person that you actually are. The person that God believes that you are. What that means is that your past failures don't define your future purpose. The door is open today. And if there's one point that we could really focus on, it's this, that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. It says this in John chapter 10, starting in verse nine, Jesus says this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is beautiful. I have come, Jesus is saying, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So today, if you are a follower of Jesus and you call River Valley your home and you have walked through that door, I believe that there are really only two postures that you can be taking. That you are either welcoming people in the door or you are keeping them out of the door. I think that we need to have a reality check for ourselves. That are we keeping people in and welcoming them in or are we trying to keep them out? Did you know that you are not a doorman for God's ritzy hotel? To make sure that just the right people come in and, and, and those people stay out. That you didn't open the door so you can't tell people who to come in and out. That God opened the door when you don't deserve it so that you don't deserve to tell when other people can come in or out of the door. We... we we are also not some sales team for Jesus working on commission and, and like every time they pray the prayer and raise their hand that you get extra points, you know? That we're, we're, not, we're not doing that. That's not how this works. We're not working on commission. I worked on commission for about five minutes until I got fired because I was terrible at the job. I worked at a shoe store, but I only got commission when I sold socks. Who goes to a shoe store and doesn't have socks? It's like going to the grocery store and them trying to sell you silverware. It's like, I already have that. Just let me get my ramen and go home, you know? But that's not what this is about. We're not, we're not here just to do that. We are here to demonstrate 
who Jesus is by the way that we live. Show people Jesus. Don't just tell people about Jesus. Show them. What does that mean? How do you do that? Well, read your Bible. Open up to the gospels and see how Jesus lived and model your life the same way. Take a break from some self-help books and help yourself and read your Bible. Come on, this is, this is the key to life. It's all about Jesus. My personal experience has been this, that the harder I try to get somebody to follow Jesus, the more they resist. But the moment I take a step back and begin to pray and begin to believe that the Holy Spirit is better at being the Holy Spirit than I am, people's lives are changed. Their lives are changed. Are you holding the door open today? Are you holding the door open? The door is open. You know, there's a, there's a barista that, I'm a big coffee drinker. That's not a surprise to anybody. Um, there's a barista that actually used to go to our church and, you know, she got offended by some things that were said and no longer comes to our church. I ran into her and didn't know that she had been a part of our church before. And so I asked her, you know, you go to church anywhere? She said, yeah, I actually used to go to your church. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> and uh, so I just listened and, you know, asked her if there's anything that she needed prayer for. And she began to tell me about uh, her son that was living in another country that had no money and was homeless. And his life was not going great. And I began to pray for him. And yes, I did hold up the entire line, okay? It was worth it. And every time I go into this coffee shop, I, I ask her, I'm like, hey, how's your son doing? Hey, I'm still praying for him. Every day I pray for him. I show her the note in my phone with his name. And do you know what? She has not walked through the doors of our church yet. She's not raised her hand in the coffee shop and repeated a prayer after me. Do you know what? You know what I'm doing? I'm just trying to hold the door open. Just let her know the door is open. The door is open. The door is open. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna give an opportunity for those of you that maybe you've never taken that step and you've never walked through that door. Today is your day. The Bible says this in John chapter 14, verse six. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with this person and they with me. Peter said earlier in Acts chapter 10, if you want God and are ready to do what he says, the door is open to you. So today, if you wanna walk through that door, if you wanna begin to follow Jesus, if you wanna stop making excuses and stop believing lies about yourself and walk through the door and, and make this decision, I'm just gonna simply ask you, when I count to three, just to lift your hands. Nobody's gonna call you out. Nobody, nobody is gonna, gonna, gonna ask you to come forward. Just in your own private moment, just lift your hand. If you wanna walk through that door, come on, one, two, three. Lift your hand if that's you. Yes, awesome, amazing, amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, anybody else? You wanna walk through that door today? Beautiful, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, awesome. 
Come on, you can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and we're all going to pray together because nobody here at River Valley prays alone. We're going to repeat this prayer, and there's nothing magical about this prayer, but this is just us believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and for us to follow him. So come on, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for living the life I could not live and dying the death that I deserve to die so I could spend eternity with you. Forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge to you today that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. I surrender my life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.